We start this programming today with a special announcement. Dallas, Texas, we're coming for you. Yes. We are so excited. We have a live show on Thursday, October 19th at the Texas Theater. The doors are at 7. The show is at 8. There are general admission and VIP tickets still available. VIP gets you a signed poster and access to our post-show Q&A. And My favorite part. Those Q&As so get kind of ruckus. They get so buck. <laughs> I feel We're like- all wasted by the end. <laughs> it's so fun. And we tell all. We, we definitely tell all. There have been proposals. They are not uh, recorded. Yeah. The, the venue staff are always like, what is happening? So anyway, uh, splurge for the VIP ticket if uh, you're so inclined. And you can get yours now at wineandcrimepodcast.com. Go check it out. Dallas going to be there soon, baby. We'll see you on October 19th. We'll see you there. Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Yeah, yeah. we do. Yeah. We really do. And I'm going to mess up the routine here and remember to say my name. Oh, my oh. God. A miracle. Miracles happen <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> I am Kenyon. I am Lucy and impressed. I am Amanda. Mm. And yeah. I'm wearing, it's hoodie season. Yes. I've got the new wine and crime hoodie on today. You guys, she cute. It's I so cute. It's so comfy. She's literally from our company, but I love, her. love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. much. This is a good one. Uh, we haven't done zip up hoodies like ever before. I love a full zip hoodie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many options. Yeah. Yep. So versatile. She cute. So you're really going to want to go snag this bad boy off of our online store. Winecrimepodcast.bigcartel.com. No, because I'm real comfy in my seat. <laughs> okay. But it's got a no. really cool graphic on the back. <laughs> it's really cute. Go to our website. It's really cute. And real soft. Show them the back. No. No. <laughs> no. But it's, uh, it's there. It's, it's on there. our website. It's stinking cute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. also, if you're unaware... Mm. Of our Patreon page. If you're not oh. already a Patreon supporter, you got to check it out. We have so much extra content. Mm-hmm. We sure do. It's like a whole nother podcast. It world. is a whole nother. Yeah. And whole nother. my favorite thing on <laughs> Patreon is our monthly happy hours where we do oh, like a live stream. Yes. Those are so fun. So this is fun. fresh in our minds because we have another one coming up on Wednesday to. Tuesday, Wednesday, 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 the 27th. September 27th. September 27th. Selling it. They're every month. They're close to the end of the month. And uh, for those donating at $5 a month or more, you are welcome. You're invited to the party. They're really, really fun. We divulge a lot more it's when very we've candid. been 
a tiny bit. We have like three sips of wine and like one gummy, and we are just telling yes. all. It's, it's a gal's tell it's all a every lot month. Of, yeah, ask me anything, basically, with yeah. like. It's basically like a drunk dive, ask me anything, but live. And live. you get to like hang. It's and so, so much fun. And so we can't fun. bleep if we accidentally say names. There's no room for error. There's no room for error. And we air a lot. Yep. You don't want to miss it. Yeah. So go over and check out our Patreon. Mm. I love it. We are continuing Hog Girl Summer right through mm-hmm. September because yep. of the astrological calendar. I don't know. Because we felt like it. Mm-hmm. We have selected the topic. This was a me pick. I forced mm-hmm. this one. I like you it. Did. There was no forcing whatsoever. <laughs> I at least for me, not feeling it. But this is like my favorite type of case. I was painted mm-hmm. into a corner. Really, don't expect much from my segment. I fully I, support this because the cases are great. I love the cases. So, uh, the topic is the devil is in the details. So mm-hmm. sh- shit that was solved by like. One little crucial detail. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love, I love, it. I love that. it so much. Yeah. So before we get into it, Amanda, what is our wine crime pairing for The Devil is in the Details? Yeah, I have a really fun recommended pairing today that I am not drinking because A, it's noon and B, I'm officiating a wedding after this, so I can't just roll up a bottle of wine in. <laughs> but I mean, maybe I could, but these people were not wine and crime fans when they booked me, so I should probably not oh. be so on brand. I can't believe you're you're helping others. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, there's a good there's a good blend these days. Okay. But uh so that those are my legal reasons for not dr- I don't actually don't know if you're supposed to officiate a wedding drunk. It is a binding legal situation. Maybe you're not. How eh, many of my check? weddings are now null and void? It's fine. We're not going <laughs> to audit that. Anyway, <laughs> there is a literal winery in California called Details Wines whose tagline is the devil is in the details and they have Ooh. really cool branding that's like uh it's like a like a devil goat with like big cool horns. Ooh, like your backpack. Ah. Like my backpack. Yeah, Bath it's really it. gorgeous. Yep, yep. And Lucy, I know you can't drink, but I chose off of their selection this one for you because I'm looking at their Sauve Blanc. Mm, yum. And we can get a bottle and then celebrate by cracking it after you crack that baby out. Mm-hmm. Okay. After this, you crack your pelvis, get you that crack baby that out. pelvi. Can't wait. <laughs> Crack that sucker open, I'm in girlfriend. Labor. Nice crack. Nice crack. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. The doctor. Please. Oh, that'd be amazing. That'd be hilarious. Ooh, if I'm you think get of Corey it. I'm to bribe the doctor to say that. No. I want to send you a clip from the show that we can't believe you haven't watched, Parks and Recreation, to the yeah. series finale when April and Andy are welcoming their first baby and... Uh, the, the baby is due around Halloween, so she's just been wearing scary Halloween makeup for like a month so that she'd be in this special makeup when she had her baby, and it's really funny. Anyway, I'll send you that, because I can't believe you haven't seen this show. It's My baby shower is creepy-themed. I can't wait. It is. It's going to be litty. <laughs> so this is a 100% Sauvignon Blanc with grapes sourced within Sonoma County, and it retails for... Anywhere, I've seen it anywhere between like $23 and $25. So a really nice high quality soft blanc without breaking the bank. And on the nose, you're going to get aromas of lemon zest, white flowers, a little honeycomb. Then it's balanced with a lot of really nice acidity. 
You will get some apricot, some white grapefruit, maybe a little bit of melon. So it has that sort of like sweet fruit forward, but it's just going to finish out with that like nice, grassy, acidic minerality. It just sounds really fucking refreshing. Mm-hmm. So you can check them out at detailswines.com. They have great wine. They have great merch. They have really cute branding. I'm a big fan. Cool. And yeah. I have to stock up on some of that. Yeah. Check them out. All right. Well, nice pop. Nice pop. Well, this wine would have been a crack. Nice crack. Nice crack. Nice mm-hmm. proverbial crack. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, cheers. Cheers. Lucy, oh, cheers. What is our background and maybe psych? I don't know. For the devil is in the details. Uh, well, I guess there is a little bit of psych. Ooh. We're going to go with that. Uh, okay, so... As stated, I didn't know. I didn't know where to go with this. Uh, but what I homunculus too, homunculus too. But when I thought of devilish details and like in the bad way, the first thing that came to my mind was like mindlessly agreeing to Apple terms and conditions. Oh God! Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, like what are you signing on to? Like a Black Mirror episode? And oh no! Like that episode of Black Mirror that's like not Netflix. Like yeah. Well, Blueberry yeah. or whatever they yeah. called it. You can yeah, use my we likeness. Own all your life. Yep. Which your like is becoming IP. a thing. Your likeness. Like the IP of your face and voice. <laughs> yeah. I the intellectual it. property of your intellect and and personality. The AIP. Ooh, ooh. Okay, so we all skip the terms and conditions when we're signing up for shit like that because why bother oh, yeah. reading it? Yeah. But sometimes there is more to them than just boring legal jargon. Mm. According to NPR, Georgia high school teacher Donellen Andrews, and this was this was sometime before 2019. Okay. The article didn't say when it happened, but um, it was a little while ago. So this high school teacher won a $10,000 reward after carefully reading the terms and conditions that came with her travel insurance policy that she purchased for an upcoming trip to England. Oh, wow. So she okay. purchased travel insurance through a, an insurance agency. She actually read it. And it was like hidden in there. Mm-hmm. I love oh, that. I love that. So the $10,000 reward was part of a top secret pays to read campaign that that insurance company, which was which is called Square Mouth, had launched to highlight the importance of reading policy documentation. That's, That's fucking so brilliant. So it was like the first person to call this number... To Having, say to claim your reward, you get ten grand. Hell That's yeah! Amazing. Yeah. Um, I remember in elementary school. I'm sure lots of people did this, but there was one time in like fourth grade where uh, our teacher like handed out a quiz to all of us. It was like a long quiz, several pages, mm-hmm. and she kept saying like, "Read through the instructions first before you start." Start. Yeah. And the instructions were kind of long, and they were at the top. And I never would have read them. Yeah. Definitely not. And the last instruction or like second to last instruction was like, write your name at the top of this paper. Don't answer any questions. Flip it over and say you're done. And, and no one and did it. No one did it. <laughs> and we all just like agonized through this quiz. That's amazing. I would have agonized with the quiz too. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. This isn't quite the same, but I was still, this was like one of the very few times I cheated on a test and it worked. <laughs> it was a, um, well, it couldn't have been a spelling test. I, I guess it was like a vocabulary, like write the definition mm-hmm. test in a, in an English class. And there were 10 words 
and I didn't know one of them. I didn't know like number seven. Mm-hmm. So I just listed one, two, three, four, five, six, and then skipped eight, nine to eight, nine, ten, and just did not list a number seven. So it didn't look like there was a gap in it. Oh. She didn't notice. Wow, that's not cheating. That's just being clever. Well, I felt like I was cheating. Oh my god! You know Such I don't like to. Touche. I don't like to misbehave. <laughs> I dropped my late homework so that it floated and slid directly under my yep. teacher's desk and wedged mm. under. And then I was like, I turned it in. I don't know. Yeah, and bitch, then he, you lost it. Yeah, and then he found it and he apologized to me as he fucking should. <laughs> Pays to read, pays to be clever. A little sneak. Little details. So in 2010, as part of an April Fool's joke, the British retailer GameStation, not to be confused with PlayStation or GameStop, inserted a new clause into their license agreement and and pre-checked that agreement box for users. Mm -hmm. So the problem was that the new clause meant that the clause said that users would grant GameStation permission to claim their souls. <laughs> and it was and it was pre-checked. Love so it. So if GameStation, according to this clause, if GameStation were to exercise their right to the soul transfer, <laughs> mm-hmm. they would serve the notice in the form of six foot high letters of fire. Amazing. <laughs> If people read carefully enough, they would have realized that they could get out of that clause by clicking a certain link. Mm -hmm. So you could click the link if A, you do not believe you have an immortal soul, (laughs) B, you've already given it to another party, (laughs) or C, you do not wish to grant us, GameStation, such a license. Incredible. Mm -hmm. I love that. So if you read it and then you could click the link, then you were awarded with a voucher of some kind. Brilliant. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So. uh, Pays to read. Pays to read. And then here's the last example, and it's it's not completely on point, but Scott's mom, Denise, sent this to me a couple days ago. Oh, okay. And I loved it, and it fits with this. So okay. back in 2017 in Maine, there was a pretty major lawsuit between Oakhurst Dairy and their milk truck drivers, mm. and it involves a hotly debated topic among grammar people. The serial comma. Oh, mm. important. Very important. So according to Maine state law, workers are not entitled to overtime pay for the following activities. The canning, comma, processing, comma, preserving, comma, freezing, comma, drying, comma, marketing, comma, storing, comma, packing for shipment or distribution of agricultural produce, meat and fish, or perishable foods. Okay. So Isn't because their job... Because there was no serial comma in packing for shipment or distribution of, the drivers could say, we don't pack anything. And the sentence is merely outlining two different types of packing and not two distinct activities. Mm. So in other words, this is per the New Yorker. The issue is that without the comma after shipment, the packing for shipment or distribution is a single activity. Mm-hmm. So truck drivers don't pack food either for mm-hmm. shipping or distribution. They drive the trucks yep. and deliver it. So they don't pack the trucks with the already packaged mm-hmm. food. So they Correct. just distribute, not pack. Mm-hmm. 
So, but the intention was that the distribution of was its own activity, but the, there was no comma. So it was up for interpretation. Love it. So therefore, the exemptions do not apply to the drivers. Mm -hmm. And those drivers who worked overtime were entitled to their compensation. And Oakhurst Dairy ended up owing them some $10 million. Damn. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. Also, how can you just say, like, you don't get overtime for these activities right. if you go overtime? What? Well, maybe they're saying don't go overtime. Yeah. yeah. That's their veiled way. If, I we mean, can't, if we can't give you overtime for any of the following things, it just means you can't go into overtime. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess. But it's, it's just, just a weird. shitty, like, like scammy way of yeah doing that. Yeah, I mean, whatever. And they they have to have contracts like this in their business shit anyway. So, mm. Ugh. anyway, I loved it. Go serial comma. There is no fucking reason why you shouldn't have a serial comma. Yeah. What are you saving by not putting in that comma? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like, don't understand the like other argument. The, yeah. Yeah. What's the point of not having it? I don't know. Okay. Okay. So those are some <laughs> d devilish details, but linking this to crime, because that is the the cornerstone of this that podcast. That is ostensibly why we're here. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sometimes. Forensic pathologists are required to estimate the time of death in order to, amongst other things, reduce the investigation period and the number of suspects in homicide cases. Mm -hmm. It's also, as we know, helpful in piecing together a timeline of events leading up to the death in question. So multiple factors can affect the development of post-mortem changes in real-life scenarios. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's critical to use multiple methods of estimating the PMI, post-mortem interval, to help establish a reliable timeline. Mm -hmm. The estimated PMI provides a basis for arguments in court, and it is very important for a forensic expert to ensure that the po post-mortem changes are well-interpreted and that the proper inferences have been made. They need to yeah. know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah, right, right, because everything rides on that, basically. Yeah. And there are Alibis, so... Mm -hmm. timelines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there are so many variables that you, like, mm -hmm. really have to read every single detail and mm -hmm. interpret it correctly mm -hmm. to, 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 for it to work. I right. wonder if somebody has had, like, a lot of plastic surgery and Botox... If asking for a friend, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I've only had Botox and only once. But uh, <laughs> if that would affect like the rate of decomposition. Probably. Maybe on the face, but not like throughout the rest of the body. Yeah, like only on those places. Body. Like those those procedures are pretty localized. Mm -hmm. So if only yeah. the face remained, then sure. Mm -hmm. But I would imagine there are so many other tissue samples available to indicate those factors of decomp that yes and not. people get botox in their armpits on their bellies yeah. on their yeah. legs like no that's true people yeah people, you can get botox for, sweat. for sweating and yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it could in it your could throat have... for burping mm -hmm. yeah it, it certainly could have be a factor I would just imagine there's like a lot of tissue in a body. Yeah, there's yeah. that you can examine. Solo. Yeah. Just curious. Yeah. yeah. Another but reason to check that that's vitreous a, put it humor. on the list. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Botox crimes. 
Ooh, mm. I like that. Plastic surgery crimes. I'm into it. She's had some work crimes. Mm-hmm. I have. Let's do this. <laughs> so if there is a large range in hours or even days in the estimated in the PMI, that information may not be useful to law enforcement. It could also poke holes in the prosecution's theory. So mm-hmm. defense lawyers can be like, you don't even know when this guy died. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the tiniest details such as insect evidence. Mm-hmm. Very important can help establish a PMI. There are two main ways to assess the PMI of human remains using entomological evidence. We've done forensic entomology. We've talked about this, but mm-hmm. I'm grasping at very small straws here. It's it's still so great and so interesting. There's plenty to say. Yeah. Also, don't Google maggots on corpse. Okay. Wasn't if you're, gonna. If you're feeling gonna. at all queasy. But... Thanks for the warning. I did during Amanda's wine segment. very different pregnancies. (laughs) You Googled that during my wine segment? That was like two minutes. I know. I was looking for pictures to add to my folder. (laughs) Nice minerality. Maggots on corpse. Maggots on corpse. (laughs) I saw some things. I saw some shit. You saw some shit. I've seen some shit. One of those ways to incorporate the entomology is to look at the insect succession of arthropod species found on a body. So insects arrive at decomposing remains in really predictable successive waves. Sure. Depending on the stage of decomposition, obviously the the environment, where mm-hmm. it is, whatever. But it's really easy to predict. Mm-hmm. The other method involves looking at the degree of development in the oldest maggots feeding on the biological material Mm. from which one can determine a close approximation of the time since death because those flies get to work quick within hours. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they're not fucking around. Mm -mm. So the reason why this is a method that works is because insects, like I just said, often lay their eggs within hours or even minutes after death. Mm -hmm. And maggots in particular molt two times before they become a pre-pupa and then a pupa and then a fly Mm. all within a few weeks. So since maggots are constantly eating, they're growing really quickly. Right. They're changing really fast. They're changing really fast. So looking at the size. Yep. And so looking at the size and the stage of pupation that they're in Mm -hmm. can give you you a a lot of information. Interesting. Places and climates where maggots don't exist. Antarctica. Right. Underwater. Sure. Those are two spots you could move to avoid maggots if that's where this is going. <laughs> you try the Indian try Ocean. <laughs> the try Indian Ocean. Your, yeah, try to pick your next <laughs> vacation spot or <laughs> no maggots. <laughs> Kenyan on house hunters. <laughs> Must be in a climate where maggots cannot exist. My I'm, a, I'm a millennial trying to house hunt. No yeah. maggots. No maggots. <laughs> Budget is $6 million. <laughs> no, I just meant like for death investigations. Like, mm. yeah, I guess the Antarctic and underwater. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, I guess- as far as as far as like in the open air. Well, because some. Places don't have mosquitoes, so I just thought maybe some places don't have... Wait, where doesn't have mosquitoes? Lots of places don't have mosquitoes, like parts of Europe. I'm Googling. (laughs) 
I think. Where does <laughs> I feel like flies have... Yeah. There are lots of different species of flies. And there might be fewer species of mosquitoes. Countries right? without mosquitoes 2023. Flies live wherever they can find food. They thrive on every continent except Antarctica. Uh, <laughs> Antarctica and Iceland are the only places without mosquitoes. Really? Yeah. Well, Iceland, top of the list. Yep. I can handle that. <laughs> it is in Europe. She wasn't wrong. No, she wasn't. <laughs> what about the Arctic? Not just the Antarctic. The regular Arctic. I don't know. I already I already exited out of the thing. I already don't care. Well, we'll never know. <laughs> I'm not moving to any kind of Arctic, so I'm not going to be without <laughs> maggots or mosquitoes. That's that's what I've gained from this. Yuck. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. Okay, so both methods, meaning the waves of predictable insects and also the maggot maturity, rely on... A variety of factors such as season, climate, the location of the corpse, etc. And also, this reminded me of that Netflix documentary about the nuns, about yeah. the 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 nun raping. Oh, the, okay. my <laughs> sister's keeper or the keepers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the keepers. Yeah, keepers. There we keepers. Go. Mm -hmm. That was so good because that hinged on whether or not there were maggots on that one nun's face. That, that yeah, girl they were saw. trying to gaslight that girl. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Into thinking that she had a false memory of the maggots. Yeah, she was like, "Nah, bitch, I've seen some yeah. shit." That yeah, and it was in like in November. So they were like, mm -hmm. "You wouldn't have seen maggots." It was unseasonably warm. Mm -hmm. I'm due for a rewatch of The Keepers. Mm -hmm. I haven't watched that in forever. Good holiday pick. <laughs> yeah, good feel good, family, good Christmas family fun. <laughs> yeah, a good fall rewatch, cozy fall rewatch. It is kind of a cozy fall rewatch <laughs> in mean. our world. Yeah, it it was surprisingly comforting. I thought there was just something I, yeah. about all those nuns and like moms who came together People to like solve together. it. Yeah, to, like as a take community. down a fucking ring of like fucked patriarchal up. rapists. Yeah, who are all dead rapists. anyway. I'm here for it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> cozy fall. Anyway, Rap maggots. <laughs> well, we're over the maggots now, but wrapping this up, you guys always get mad at me when I tell people how to get away with something criminal, but... I've never gotten mad at you for that. I just don't want <laughs> others to get mad. <laughs> but I'm taking I love notes. when you do this. There are some loopholes for us, and I'm not, again, not condoning any of this, and I don't know how up to date these are, so take these how you will. 38 states, which is like 36 more than I thought, have stand your ground laws. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Making it pretty much legal to kill someone inside your home or on, on your, your property. property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I heard uh, recently that that guy who shot Ralph Yarl, that 16 year old mm -hmm. black boy, for like knocking on the door. He mm -hmm. was like going to pick up his brother and he knocked on the wrong the door. That's wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And got shot through, through the, the door. door. Mm hmm. So I'm actually oh, the old fucker who did it is so gross looking. He's too. like 80 He's something. So scary looking. Yeah. I hate him. Well, I was also in Missouri. So it's just mm -hmm. like this whole thing just paints a picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm actually kind of surprised that that guy, the shooter, is going to stand trial mm -hmm. on charges of armed criminal action and first degree assault. Mm -hmm. So the prosecution of this case can and probably will come down to the wording 
of each state's individual statute. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there are stipulations to those stand your ground laws for sure. There are there are precedents and there are like Mm -hmm. reasons and every state has different wording. Mm -hmm. So in this case, Missouri's law references a proportionate threat. Mm hmm. So the shooter, the old creepy old man, his name is Andrew Lester, of course it is. Of course. Mo Lester. Claims that Ralph, who again, a black teenager, was trying to open his storm door and break in. Slash knock. Knock on the main door. He didn't even knock. He rang the doorbell. The shooter claims he was trying to open the door. And Ralph said he just rang the doorbell and was waiting for somebody to answer the fucking door. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the sand your ground stuff is so... It's loose and gross. It's loose and gross. Yeah, it, and a the, lot of it uh, feels intentionally vague. Mm-hmm. And like, especially for this case and a lot of cases, who is going to argue that this was not a racially affected Mm-hmm. Attempted murder. People who want to protect this old white man. Yep. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm glad and I'm surprised that he is going to stand trial because mm-hmm. he faces up to 30 years in jail, which is effectively a death sentence. Bye. Yeah, for this disgusting old maggot. Mm-hmm. Maggot um, muncher. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> In Wisconsin, parents can give their children an alcoholic drink. I think it's just beer in a mm. bar, restaurant, or at home. Oh. As as long as the parent has their own ID to order it, then they can hand the drink to their child. That's I don't think that's it can amazing. be like... I think there's still a an age stipulation, though. There is. I don't think you could do it for, like, a toddler. <laughs> Helps them sleep. No kidding. Yeah. Don't do that. So the age stipulation is that the law does not apply to the kid as between the ages of 18 and 21 because technically the parent is no longer their legal guardian. Uh, oh, so that's be, they have to be under 18. They have to be under 18. But like bigger than a bread box. <laughs> Basically, yeah. But I not do not in a high like, chair. I don't like this. It leaves too much room for like server's it's, discretion. It's the most Wisconsin it's totally law up, ever. It's so fucking Wisconsin. It's totally I'm up right to the to server's give discretion. My minor yeah. child, some beer at the table in this here Olive Garden. Oh yeah. my god, that's my right as a red-blooded Wisconsin American. This is a Culver's. Of course, I'm giving my child beer. This is, sir. This is a Culver's. <laughs> I don't know why I have a Southern accent. And we they don't also- even have alcohol here. <laughs> And they also can't serve the child like six beers. <laughs> right. Like they, it's up to the establishment's discretion. So they can say no. Mm-hmm. But like legally on paper, you can serve a kid beer as long as they're with their guardian and under the age of 18. I don't even Dude. know why this is a law. Like just liquor scrap licensing it. and insurance. <laughs> For restaurants that sell booze in Wisconsin must be such a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. When we were driving back from your wedding, yeah, we were going through Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Northern, Northern Wisconsin. And uh, Zach was like, what is a supper club? 
Oh, that's the best thing to ever come out of Wisconsin. I've heard tell of a supper. He'd learned about it while they were fishing on Lake Superior. He would love a supper club. I know. I know. That's right up. That's like exactly what he would love. I know. I'm going to have to take him on a tour of supper clubs. But we like find we like passed different things. And he's like, is that a supper club? And I was like, no. And then we finally passed one. And I was like, that's it. That's it. And he was so excited. (laughs) Mm hmm. It's a vibe. It's, it's not, the best thing to come out of Wisconsin. It's indefinable. It's, yeah, yeah it supper really clubs was, are phenomenal. He was like on the fishing boat, like your dad, the boat captain, Corey. Like <laughs> nobody could like really tell me fully what a supper club it's was. It's hard to capture the vibe. <laughs> yeah, but when the next time you're here, we have some supper clubs in the Twin Cities mm-hmm. that are like Wisconsin inspired, and then mm-hmm. some that are like slightly elevated. Mm-hmm. That we can take you to to get you the vibe. So you can experience it without having to experience Wisconsin. Why are the good ones only in Wisconsin? Mm, I don't know. The best ones are, though. They really are. It's it's like their thing. Yeah. It's like the Wisconsin claim to fame. tours of them. Yeah. Oh, my mom has a map Mm -hmm. of Wisconsin supper clubs. And their baked potatoes are always the best. And their old fashions. Yeah. Their old fashions are so good. That's where you're going to get your, like, good baked potato, like, wrapped in high-quality tinfoil. <laughs> like, the tinfoil that you'll want to, like, flatten out and reuse. And, like, a pepper mill. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And they're not leaving it at the table. You got to tell them when. Yeah, yeah, like a big old wooden yeah. size of, like, your torso German-ass-looking <laughs> yeah. pepper yep. grinder. <laughs> yep. yep. And at least five very high quality mounted bucks. Oh yeah, on the wall. Yeah, lots and of wall. Someone decor. has to have allowed smoking in there for like at least forty years, mm-hmm. and so you can still get the vibe that people used to smoke cigarettes while they yeah, ate their the, steaks. The in yellow there. sheen on mm-hmm. the like bric-a-brac. Yeah, it's basically yeah. just eating in the <laughs> sepia filter on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, supper club crime. Oh my god, I'm fucking starving. <laughs> Holy shit. Wrap it up in tinfoil. Excellent supper club, the tornado room in Madison. Mm. Amanda, that's mm-hmm. the one that you're too tired to go to, but I brought you food home. Yeah, I ate it in bed in the hotel and it was mm. delicious. Yeah, excellent. Mm-hmm. Okay, Wisconsin, why do you even have this law? It, there's no real point to it. Yeah. It's a, whatever. In Kansas, you can be publicly nude as long as you're not doing anything sexual. Thank okay. God. Because rarely am I doing anything sexual when I'm nude. Right. As soon rarely. As, as soon as there is a sign of sexual behavior or arousal, mm. you can be arrested. Don't what if it's arousal on hard. other people's part? Not your problem. Not your problem. Mm. Not your problem. Mm-hmm. In North Carolina, public nudity is illegal, but nudity on private property is perfectly fine. You can be in your front yard naked as a jaybird. I I like that. that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Laws and. How else am I going to get an even tan? (laughs) My aunt did that once. Hell yeah, she did. (laughs) She didn't mean to, though, but my aunt was like sunbathing in. She was like in her early 20s, and she was sunbathing in my grandparents' front yard in Bloomington, <laughs> Minnesota in their Great little like yard. suburban, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she was lying on her stomach and she had undone her bikini straps mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. an even tan on her back. 
And then a cop came because he was like asking if she had seen some car that had gone by or whatever. And she forgot that she had undone her bikini top. So she just stood up and talked to the cop, quote, for a really long time. <laughs> he kept the conversation going. I bet he fucking did. And she did I not realize he did. It until he left. Wow, well, he was really thorough. He never said a word to her about it. And big knockers run in your family, so I bet yeah. he did keep her not for a while. Julie, actually. Oh, okay. She did not Fair, get blessed yeah. with the big knockers. But <laughs> Julie's still. got a little set, a, a perky little set. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I was in Mexico with my family one year at that house. It's, there's, like, nobody around. Probably not for long. Mm-hmm. Fucking Tulum. Anyway, mm-hmm. we're on the beach. There's no one else around. And then there, like, a house... One of the houses next door on that same compound had this young British couple staying there, and they like were very attractive. They didn't like to wear clothes. They Good did naked yoga on the beach in the morning. Mm-hmm. Great. That, that they were beautiful a, to look that's at. That's an invitation for sand to get places you don't want it. Mm, true. Yeah. And so one of the afternoons, I was with my mom on the beach, and the girl comes over, and she's just wearing her bottoms. <laughs> And we were just chatting with her for quite a while. <laughs> it's like, chit-chat. Oh, she's just this perfect specimen little little woman. Nude woman. <laughs> I've never enjoyed looking at a naked woman's body that much. That's bullshit, because we all get naked together mm-hmm. with regularity mm-hmm. and love it. Mm-hmm. I mean. We're not naked yoga on the beach in Tulum. No, we're naked no, a little people. drunk in a cocktail pool in Houston. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> different kinds of drunk yeah. naked. Bouncing each other's boobs. <laughs> it's a different vibe. That's the supper club of nudity. <laughs> we're don't... supper club nudists. We're su- yeah, we're, we're supper club nudists. You don't know exactly how to describe it, but when you see it, you know. <laughs> the only thing I want covered is my baked potato. <laughs> A good kidding. tin foil. I'm, I'm kidding. kidding. I actually hate a tin baked potato. potato. I love a crispy <laughs> skin. Foil. But anyway, I like it. I like it. Nice and steamy, so- steamy soft. Anyway, also that girl who had me sign her boob in Detroit. Uh, yeah, Detroit. Yeah, just that was a good show. Pillowy clouds, stunning. So <laughs> nobody. We should add a disclaimer to our ticket sales. Devils in the details. Where she it's asked like, us if you ask us. To touch we'll your body, it. you cannot later sue us. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. We'll Sign get a it. lot of witnesses. Be Sign careful a what waiver. you wish for. Okay, <laughs> we're we're gonna touch you if you ask us to touch you. We're gonna touch you. <laughs> so uh, a lot of laws in Indiana are religiously based, and therefore mm. many are deciding to join the Church of Cannabis. Mm, love that. So members now are attempting to get exemption status for their church so they can be used so cannabis can be used in religious settings they just get together and get high and presumably don't have to pay taxes i fucking Mm. love that the fact that like what until they church until they church taxes until they tax churches Mm -hmm. more of us should claim to be fucking churches churches. it's so stupid Mm-hmm. Who are you to say that's not your religion, right? Yeah. I'm sure cannabis has been used in religious ceremonies yeah. throughout history. Yeah, Absolutely. definitely. Tobacco has. Yeah. All that All right. shit. 
I'm sure dildos have been used in religious, <laughs> in religious <laughs> ceremonies. I, I'm sure they have. I'm, I'm sure touching certain. your friend's boobs in a cocktail pool does constitute. Cocktail pools are a part of our religion. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> yes. We need them tax free. Yeah. It's for baptism. Yeah. We are mm-hmm. baptizing. Mm-hmm. There is a huge difference between assault and battery, which are a lot of times used interchangeably. Mm-hmm. And this can sometimes be a game changer in terms of, like, punishment. Mm -hmm. So battery entails an accusation of causing extreme bodily harm to a person and emotional distress. Mm -hmm. Whereas assault is a grade C level violation. So, like, not as big of a deal. You hit me, but you didn't cause me permanent damage. Mm. So you assaulted me, but... It also entails an unintentional altercation that may have led to physical or emotional harm. Okay. So like, but there are also laws that are like assault and battery. Right. I think it comes down to I usually use them here or hear them like that. Right. Not interchangeable, but. But uh, maybe that's why it used to be called battered women's syndrome Mm -hmm. and not assaulted women's syndrome. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a terrible name, but I'm just yeah. trying to draw connections. The upstairs, the second floor of my house was a battered women's shelter. Mm. Had to clear that shit out once I clear got that here. energy out, although it's better than the reverse. Like, it's better yeah. to have the be it the shelter than the site of violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a kitchen in my now bedroom. Very cool. Nice. I would have kept it. Corey asked a lot if we could shorter put walk it, for snacks. Corey asked if we could put it back in the yeah. other night. I'd ask, you know how far it is from your bedroom to your kitchen? It's right. so far. You yeah. take the stairs? My God. Mm-hmm. It's far. What kind of a hell do you live in? I live in a hellscape. I would love to someday have, I love how this has become my like someday house dream podcast where a I just waiter. rant about yes. features of houses that I like, but someday I would love to have like a cold water tap mm. in my bedroom. Mm. Can you imagine? That'd be nice. Yeah. Cold filtered water, like a pot filler. Yeah. Mm. But for your mouth while you're laying in bed. Or just like next to the bed so you don't have to like remember to bring your water to right. bed at you night. You can just have a glass, it. a little cupboard of glassware. Like, like a little spout. That's then, genius. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cute. Why has no one thought of this? Mm-hmm. I mean. I'm sure some rich people out there have that. Yeah. There's got to be. Rich people, get at us. Along with your lip-shaped cocktail pool. I don't. That's all you, baby. <laughs> I'm a rectangular pool gal in my, in my mind, in my Big dreams. Big into rectangles. <laughs> rectangles. Run off the rectangle rails. Okay. Is there more? No. Or that's Jesus. my segment. Okay. All okay. right. Let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Is there more? Little Please tiny God. cold water spouts in bedrooms.com. The devil's in the details. It's a very lovely detail of a bedroom. (laughs) Support for today's episode comes from Waterboy. Waterboy is a hydration powder scientifically formulated to cut your hangover time in half. Sign me up. (laughs) There are other hydration packs on the market, but nothing comes anywhere close to fighting those Sunday scaries like Waterboy. With zero sugar, hi, made for me, and over three times the electrolytes of liquid IV, your hangover will stand no chance. Unlike their competitors, Waterboy has added ingredients beyond just hydration to help with nausea, anxiety, fatigue, 
It's all the worst. And we all know that hydration alone is not enough help. After that bender you had in Vegas, I am still recovering from my bachelorette party. <laughs> yeah. And for a limited time, our listeners will get 15% off your entire order with the code GALS at waterboy.com. Tell us more, Lucy. Well, they're good for hangovers. They're also just good for general hydration. Mm -hmm. I'm not drinking too much these days, but uh, I did give some of my samples to the kids over at Lachelle's. Mm -hmm. And they were grateful. Sure. They were shook. Mm -hmm. So inside each stick, there's ginger for that nausea that might that will make your tummy mm -hmm. feel better. Oh, mm -hmm. because my stomach it always gets so bad. The anxiety is so real. Yeah, it is, and it affects everything. Everything. They also include L-theanine to help calm your nerves and reduce your anxiety. Mm. I, I, it's it's so it's amazing. Their scientifically backed formula truly brings you back from the dead and just like helps you get through the work day. Yeah, because drinking on a Sunday, Sunday fun day, it always sounds fun. Mm, till and that alarm goes off Monday morning. Yep. And maybe the best part about Waterboy is how good it tastes. Mm -hmm. Because when you hear the reduced sugar, you're like, oh well, then it's just you know. Right. Function over form, but mm -hmm. they taste so good. Their most popular flavors include strawberry lemonade, Yum. lemon lime, and blue freaking raspberry. I love blue raspberry. Me too. So you're mm -hmm. actually going to like want to drink these like all the time. They're gluten-free, caffeine-free, dairy-free, vegan, and made right here in the good old US of A. So you might regret the night before, but you're not going to regret reaching for those water boys mm -mm, it's magic and hundreds of thousands of people already trust water boy as their hangover cure so join us it's time to stop dealing with that anxiety alone for a limited time our listeners get an exclusive 15 percent off discount when they use the code gals g-a-l-s at waterboy.com that's 15 percent off with code gals at waterboy.com and waterboy has got you recovered we ready yeah Lucy, you are going to love this case. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to love it, too. But this is really a this is a Lucy uh, special yes. right here. Okay. Maggots. Okay. Nope. But mm. you'll see why. Okay. I mean, it's terribly sad because of fucking patriarchy. Yeah. And, well, all your shit's sad. Yeah. We will get to it. <laughs> okay. So... Janet Abaroa, nay Christensen, was born on June 19th, 1979. She met her husband, Raven. That's his, oh, no. that's his mm -mm. actual his screen name. name. That's like, uh, it's not his screen name. No, that's, that's on his birth certificate. <laughs> that's his actual name. And it really doesn't fit with anything about him. Is he white? Yes. Oh, He's God. blonde. Oh. No. No, no. It's Never trust a blonde very raven. Odd. His it's parents were well. They're not. We're gonna. Get, we're about to get to it. It makes no sense. Okay. To the point where I was like, "Is it pronounced Robin? Like what?" <laughs> but no, I don't know. So they met while they were both in college at Southern Virginia University. Janet came from a very big, very close Mormon family. Oh, God. She was actually the seventh of ten siblings. No. God. And was the favorite aunt of all of her, like, nieces and nephews. Like, they just loved Auntie Janet. Well, if she liked it, more power to her. Well, I mean, she can't control how many siblings she has. But yes, 
Uh, that would be my worst nightmare. Just people, and then, oh, just people everywhere. Siblings all over your shit. You don't have anything to yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't have your own room, probably. Definitely not. I don't think they make homes with 11 bedrooms for a regular family. <laughs> Lucy, oh, people just everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> No privacy. You don't have your own snacks. Nope. Ugh. Nope. I could never. So she had a big social circle. Lots it's weird because you're kind of describing motherhood. <laughs> yeah, you no. don't get your own snacks. Mm, mommy will have her own snacks. <laughs> okay. Just put them on a high shelf. <laughs> she had a big social circle, lots of friends, and was, by all accounts, just an incredibly kind and fun-loving person. And Janet was also really athletic, and she was super into sports, especially soccer and swimming. Ugh. Raven, <laughs> a fellow Mormon, was athletic, too, and that was something that they bonded over. They were both both also tall and blonde. Hashtag tall, hot, blonde. And he was very charismatic. Still, friends and family say that at the beginning, Janet was hesitant to start a relationship with him, but Raven could be very persistent. Hate that. Mm -hmm. I don't like a persistent blonde man. Mm -mm. Too pushy. Too entitled. Yeah, to everything. One of Janet's sisters said that she was somehow wary of him, wondering why he was trying so hard to make everyone like him. Mm, Which, that's like, never a good sign. That's right, girl. That is a red flag. Mm-hmm. He sounds like Joao from Below Deck. That's what I'm imagining. Mm. Jwow, Joao. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. He's from Zimbabwe. Okay. He sounds like that guy I was very briefly dating who like yes. snuck off to pay our tab. Yes. After <gasps> our live show in Minnesota and several we all years were ago. Like ew. Yeah, why we were like, why? Why would you do that? Like, thank like, you for picking up this $300 tab for 12 people, but I didn't like it. I, yeah. And it was really gross, and I'd been dating him for, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, don't. It was weird. I yeah. dumped him, like, a week later. Yeah. I was like, no, we're done. <laughs> yeah. And Thanks for to, that like, dinner. hold your key hostage. Yeah, that was a fun time. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Great mm-hmm. deviled eggs at that place, though. Oh, yeah, that we should go back for yeah. the deviled eggs. The Lowry. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Raven uh, slowly wins over Janet and then Janet's family for the most part by talking about how important the Mormon faith was for him and how he had gone on mission work to Peru and all this oh, stuff, right? Great. So they're like, okay, all right, he's, he's talking the talk, walking the walk. So in keeping with both of their you know, faith and, and culture, they're both Mormon, Raven and Janet were married very young, pretty much right out of college, and they soon moved to Smithfield, a small town in Virginia. Mm. Mm, great bacon from Smithfield. They graduated from Soverge and then moved to Smithfield. Mm-hmm. And at first, <laughs> everything seems great. They're newlyweds, they're making new friends in their community, they buy their first house. When the holidays roll around, they sent out festive Christmas videos to both of their families, which is like a thing that people do, apparently. What year was this? This was, they're in their 20s, and she was born in 79. So So 99, early aughts. Yeah. Okay. I bring up the Christmas videos because in one of them, Raven is showing off a new knife for his growing knife collection that either okay. he like got himself or maybe was like a gift. No. 
I got the coolest knife in Duluth. Do you want to see it? Lucy can have a knife collection. A blonde man, a cannot. persistent blonde Mormon man cannot have a knife no. collection. It's in Ooh, this like leather container. Mm-hmm. It's made out of bone. Did not wow. specify what kind of bone. Human probably. Deer. And it's Valyrian steel. Okay. I had a knife like that that I got in Norway when I was a kid when we were visiting my aunt and uncle and then my mom took it from me to like hold it for safekeeping and then she lost it and I had never <gasps> got it back. That sucks. You had a knife like this? Yeah. I will redeem you. Not with this because I like this one right. too much, but I'll get you one. Oh, thank you. Uh, I also forgot how to close it, so I'm just going to set it down. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm gonna come down to your baby shower and have to close that myself. It's still gonna be open when I get yeah, there. Don't, don't leave that line. Okay, it's fine. She's she gonna she gonna get there. Okay, <laughs> she gonna get there. I'll walk you through it later. My hands are so sweaty. Okay. <laughs> you sure Lucy can have a knife collection? Yeah. There's like six more on the shelf. Expecting mother. Oh, no, I forgot how to close it. I'll just leave it open. On I'll this just step. leave it here. The baby can't walk or stuff for a while. It'll, I have it'll, time. It'll come fast. If you have these habits now, you'll have them in a couple years. Well, then I'll learn the hard way, won't I? Yup. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> okay, okay, okay. So they, uh, the knife collection, whatever. Basically, it's impossible to miss the like rainstorm of Chekhov's multiple guns when talking about this case. Like, everything will be relevant later, and all of it is a red flag. Great. So they don't actually stay in Smithfield that long. In just a few years, they decided to move to Durham, North Carolina for work because I think Raven got a job at a sporting goods company there. So he got this new job, and they're like, okay, we'll sell our house. We're going to move to Durham. I think lots of crimes happen in Durham. Right? Nothing good happens in Durham, North Carolina. (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) Don't add us. (laughs) Okay, still, everything seems great. Happy young Mormon family about to set down some roots. Husband's got a great new job. Whatever. Papa's got a brand new bag. (laughs) (laughs) Knife. Lucy's got a brand new knife. knife. (laughs) Well, this is a true crime podcast and my case, so we all know that that is not where this is. It don't last. No. Mm -hmm. Nope. Still, I would forgive you for being surprised to hear that just three and a half years into their marriage, Raven suddenly told Janet that he has been having multiple affairs. Of course he has been, Mm. blonde man. So yes, plural, multiple affairs with many different people. Okay. People. I know, I read that too, and there was no indication other than that word choice that it was various genders so i think Mm. it was all women okay okay he's not seeking janet's forgiveness he he's he wants out of the marriage he's Uh, done okay i mean divorce is an option that would have been great Mm -hmm. yeah kind of a slap in the face though well sure but it's better than hell but it would murder better than what is about to happen So just for context, though, the divorce rate for practicing Mormons is between six and nine percent. And the national divorce rate is 52 percent. Yeah. So So it's holding on tight. I guess really not common in their community. I guess that's Mm -hmm. what's most surprising to me. They're like devout Mormons. 
Yeah, he was, that he he's would been even, all in since before right. they were even dating. That yeah. he would even entertain ending the marriage and right. telling her at all rather than just offing her and keeping all of his infidelity a secret. Or just continuing on and being have his little wife right. and have all of his affairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just keep it in his goddamn pants. Right. Yeah. Or God forbid not have any more affairs. Right. Right. So Janet, I presume, is gutted. She's. It seems like she was pretty blindsided by all of this. She, She's not willing to give up the marriage, though, without a fight. Mm-hmm. Also, she's pregnant with their first child. Mm-hmm. Oh. So friends rally around her, and with their help, Raven is persuaded to stay in the relationship and try and make it work. No. I never want to be in a position where I am persuading or being persuaded right? to stay right that's that's a that's a no I, mean, I get that it's complicated because of for sure culture and i have there. no culture or religious connection so if i'm not wanted i'm out right yeah but you're not a radical mormon who's that's exactly what i'm for, saying for i don't child. have those that's what i said right. i don't have those connections right. so right i wouldn't that wouldn't work for me right He claims that his affairs are now over and that he got it out of his system and he's ready to come back and be a better man and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) So soon thereafter, Janet gives birth to a son named Caden. But obviously things are not automatically perfect between them now that he's back. Mm -hmm. Because like having to persuade your husband can't feel good. stop cheating on you while you're pregnant with your first child probably sucks. Right. Ask Melania Trump. Um, So still, Janet is over the moon to be a mom. And while she may not be feeling super close with her husband, she is pretty much just focused on taking care of their new bundle of joy. And she's really, really happy and fulfilled in being a mom to Caden. But Raven is a charmer, remember. And he gets busy trying to craft a new public narrative because now his whole like affairs thing has gone public. Mm-hmm. And people think less of him, and so he needs to turn that ship around. Well, it's mm. not like he was a public figure. No, but no, he's... but he was very involved in the church and probably and part of a big community. And, yeah, uh, exactly. So he goes around telling everyone that they are back on track, right as rain. In fact, more better in love than, than ever. ever. Yeah, mm-hmm. better than ever. Yeah, telltale. Yep. He claims the issue had been communication all along. Mm-hmm. But some friends and family remain unconvinced. For starters, Janet's family was concerned about Raven's, quote, moods. Ooh. Her brother, Mark Christensen, remembered a time when Raven accused him, falsely, obviously, of stealing money and that the altercation turned violent. Oh. Mark, Mark recalled that Raven told him, quote, you don't know who I really am and you don't know what I'm capable of before grabbing Mark's head and slamming it against the wall. Oh, my God. To his brother-in-law. Okay, guy. Ew, I hate him. Fucking chill. Yeah, he's gross. Typical blonde man. So -hmm. Janet's brother, Mark, had never disclosed the attack to his sister because he didn't want to add extra stress to her life. So he he was just like, just don't tell Janet. Like, it's fine, whatever. Like, let's just pretend it didn't happen because I don't want to upset my sister. Who's already mm-hmm. going through a lot, and maybe she was pregnant when this happened. I don't know the timeline necessarily. Sure, but or you know, so he doesn't tell her. Mm. And speaking of always sp- tell, I know 
But I, but I do understand. I totally get it. But when it's like violence like that, your sister's at higher risk right. by not knowing. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying it's this guy's fault. He's no. doing the best he can. They're trying but- to, as a PSA to other people in that situation, it's a tough situation. I totally understand that. But right. if he's showing that kind of violence to her, bro- his brother-in-law... Yeah, you better believe he's going to show it to her. She's and slamming heads into night. walls is That's such a specific, an abuser-specific thing. Yeah. It's like spitting in the face or choking. Mm-hmm. And it's so dehumanizing, and it's yeah, it's, it's different than getting into like a manly we got into a bar scrap. brawl and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's each totally other not and, a man scrap thing. Mm-hmm. It's no. like a it's a control and power. It's thing. dirty. Yes, mm-hmm. it's dirty fighting. Yeah. It's a it's a very classic abuser mm-hmm. move. Anyway, speaking of stress, there is a lot of it going around. Obviously, mm-hmm. having a new baby can be stressful, all the more so when you're worried about finances. Mm-hmm. Money was getting tight, and at the same time, Raven was having trouble at work. Trouble entirely of his own making, of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. So he'd been caught stealing merchandise from the sporting goods store, and was arrested for embezzlement, and then he ultimately pled guilty to theft charges. So I think, like, he had been stealing so much merchandise that at first yep. it was embezzlement, but then it got lowered to theft. Yeah, maybe he gave something back or did some, you know, right. had some agreement to lower those charges. Right. So uh, this dude is, like, a really shitty Mormon. And, like, there are a, <laughs> yeah. there's a long yeah. list of <laughs> shitty Mormons, but, like, He's shitty on a lot of fronts. Yeah. To to win the award for being a shitty Mormon is like not super hard considering some of the leaders in that community, but it's competitive. He's fighting for it. Yeah, it's competitive. So on the night of April 26th, 2005, Raven leaves the house to blow off some steam by playing in his indoor soccer league with friends. Oh, ew. I think sometimes Janet also played in this league because, remember, she's also really athletic and sporty and loved soccer. Mm -hmm. Um, But she can't make it this night, April 26th. It does seem like a hyper-Mormon activity, an indoor Indoor soccer soccer. It's just so vanilla. It's so beige. It's the beigest thing I've ever heard of. It really is. Yes. So Janet can't make it. She's going to bed early. So he plays soccer, and on his way home, he stops at a convenience store to pick up some snacks. And does Janet know that he's been fired and had all this I believe shit at work? so, because okay. I think, obviously, I don't think she knew he had been stealing. But sure. when shit hit the fan and he was then facing charges and was fired, then she found out because then now they don't have that income anymore. Right. Okay. So he gets home around 10 p.m. and he finds his wife, Janet, dead in their bed, covered in blood. And she was just 25 years old. Oh, my God. With a baby. Yeah. Yeah. And how, yeah, how old was Caden at that point? Caden was still. uh, Like an infant. Yeah, like an infant or little young toddler. I don't know the exact. I don't know exactly, but young. Poor Bubby. I hate the name Caden, but poor Bubby. Yeah. And his alibis, I was in my indoor soccer game. Yeah, like, I was playing indoor so- intramural soccer. Ew. Mm-hmm. Barf. So, so I'm on the beige team. <laughs> We're playing taupe. <laughs> it's beige versus taupe tonight. I can't miss this game. <laughs> beige versus biscuit. Grage. Grage. Grage versus taupe. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's the big one. It's the big regionals. One. We've been training all year for this. <laughs> we might have to play eggshell in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> no one has ever beaten eggshell. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my god. Okay, so Oh my god. Okay, no. This is so sad, but we need like Oh no, I forgot. She was found dead in her bed it's covered in blood. So sad. It's so sad, but we just need like to release some of that nervous energy. Yeah, and he's a fucking monster. He's a monster. So he calls 911 hysterically crying and repeating to the operator that his wife is dead and that she has been shot. Paramedics arrive at the house, but there was nothing they could do. And at five in the morning the next day, Raven called Janet's family and explained to them that Janet had died by suicide and that she'd shot herself. Which had not been confirmed or told to him by police, I'm assuming. Oh, no. He shouldn't have been allowed to make that call. Yeah, we're about to get to it. But yeah, just traumatize the family even more. Oh, also, God. you know what I learned from the thing about Pam? The thing about Pam. <laughs> yeah. They made love. Oh, they made love. Is that when you call 911, before the operator responds or even like... Yeah, it's already recording. They're already recording you. So if so you oh, wait yeah. to start hysterically crying... They know they can clock that silence and and notice yeah. if there's oh, if you're acting yeah. on the phone. Cool, and that could be like entered into evidence. Yeah. basically. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, if you don't yeah. start the waterworks until they pick up, and they, they know. answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's sus. It's Jean. It's Jean. She. Oh gosh, it's Jean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck you, dude. <laughs> Okay, so he tells the family that their fucking 25-year-old beautiful daughter and, like, young mom has died by suicide. No. None of them believe him. None of them think Janet would ever even consider suicide. They didn't think that she would ever leave Caden. It was not, there had not been anything leading up to this. No. It didn't track, okay? And I know people are going to say, like, sometimes, you know, you don't see the warning signs of suicide. And yes, that is true. But when every single person that knows you is like, nah, dude, that doesn't track, then Mm -hmm. that's meaningful, I think. Oh, also one slight problem. It didn't take long for the autopsy report to reveal that, lo and behold, she hadn't even been shot. She'd been stabbed multiple (gasps) times. The knives. Oh, my God. It's giving, um, what's that fucking case that I just did? Ma- not Mandy. I got That's- it. I closed it. I figured it out. Good job. Everyone's, all the babies are safe. Good. Okay. <laughs> so, so much for the suicide spin. Like, are you talking been- about Candy? Candy. Candy Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, you know, I mean, obviously the neighbor discovered her and was like, oh my God, she'd been shot because there's just right. blood everywhere, but she'd actually been killed with an axe. Right. Right. And then people immediately were like, oh, maybe she killed herself. Right. But soup's not what happened. Soup yeah. did not axe herself in the back of the head. So is that why he said she's been shot so he could push this suicide thing? Mm-hmm. Mm. But yeah, it, 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 it's not suicide if you've if someone's been stabbed multiple times. That's not that's not suicide. Yeah. So investigators also get suspicious when they are cataloging all the contents of the home taking photos and videos in every room of the house, and they notice that Janet's wedding and engagement ring aren't on her finger, but are instead sitting on the kitchen counter. 
Sounds like my fucking husband. I take mine off to do the dishes. Leaves his ring on the kitchen counter all the goddamn time. Never fucking wears it. It feels weird. Well, so does being your wife. Put the ring on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Zach lost his in the ocean, but now he has a new one, so it's okay. I take mine off to do the dishes, but I don't. I just don't take mine off. But, okay. Then they notice that Raven's laptop is missing as is one of the knives in his fucking knife collection. Mm. And he doesn't seem to have an explanation for the laptop, but he claims that the knife in question had gone missing right before the murder. It's oh, recently. Yeah. He really thought this whole thing out. Right. And if there had been an intruder, like a burglary, presumably they would have taken the fucking diamond ring. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. No. There are no signs of forced entry, but police do find a bloody footprint and fingerprint. And so without a shadow of a doubt, this is not a suicide like Raven had tried to spin it to Janet's poor family. Yeah, only to immediately be like, nah, this ain't it. Yeah, this was unmistakably a murder. So Janet's family holds a vigil in downtown Durham, hoping to bring more eyes to the case. And attendees wore purple ribbons in honor of Janet. And even though she hadn't lived in Durham long, like her death really rocked the community. Like she had already made a lot of friends and she just she She lit up a room. She lit up. She like genuinely lit up a room. Like I know that that is a cliche, but like some people do. And life is not Mm -hmm. fair. Never Mm -hmm. light up a room. Puts a target on your back. It does. So everyone is desperate to get more information about the case, except curiously for Raven, Mm. who quickly packs up. And moves with Caden to Mormon Mecca, Salt Lake City. Leaves uh, North, leaves Durham. Go be protected even more by the church. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I guess just to cover the whole board in like suspicious bingo, Raven took out a life insurance policy on Janet right How before. How many hours before he killed her? Right before <laughs> she had announced her pregnancy. Before or after? Before. Or after. So, sorry. Right after she had announced her pregnancy. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That so he makes waited. a little bit of sense, but I mean, still, yeah, the fact that he ended up sus. murdering her. So, yes, it's pregnancy and birth are risky. You're married. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to have life insurance. And usually like like Zach and I finally signed our wills and stuff once uh, Sonia was born because it was mm-hmm. like we should have our shit together for her. Mm-hmm. We should get a will. <laughs> What's a little bit less understandable is the fact that he filed for that life insurance payment before she'd even been buried. What? Yep. What? It was like the first thing he did. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Fuck this guy. It's gotta be like like, the next day. mm -hmm. Jesus. Like granted, like she couldn't have been buried within like the first week because like there was an autopsy there. They're investigating whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure still still do it after the funeral. Yeah, but he's in financial straits and he wants yeah. to move. So he does it immediately. Right. Hmm. And he killed her. So and he killed her. But we're getting to that. So obviously to anyone like with eyes and brain cells, <laughs> Raven is fucking guilty as sin. But right. there is zero physical evidence tying him to the crime. Because he was at soccer ball. Mm hmm. Soccer ball. (laughs) The footprint in the house didn't match Raven. Neither did the fingerprint. Police cannot arrest him. So at least not yet. They don't have enough to arrest him. So he moves to Salt Lake City and very quickly 
he meets a woman named uh, Vanessa Pond. Mm. Oh my God, run, Pond, run. Yeah, you're next, honey. So like Janet, at first she felt Raven came on a bit strong and she yeah. wasn't really interested in a relationship. Oh my Y'all God. Y'all trust that intuition. Mm-hmm. No trust means it. no. But over time, he charmed her while they were both at daycare picking up their kids. Mm. If a potential partner has to literally wear you down, mm. don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. There's a difference between like, I need to get to know you better before yes, whatever. Of course. And fucking you came on a bit, bit strong. Like mm-hmm. that is a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's your body telling you, like, something, yeah. yeah. Something's off. So like Raven, Vanessa is also a single parent, and she's also Mormon, and she admired the fact that he was raising this child all on his own. Mm. At first, Vanessa has no clue that Raven is the prime suspect in his former wife's wife's murder. murder, That happened eight minutes ago. He told her a sob story about how an intruder broke into their house and killed his wife while she was sleeping. And he's this like devastated widower, single dad. Amanda's gonna absolutely, Amanda's like losing it. I can't. <laughs> but I this hate still is so like a much. few weeks after the murder. Yeah. Jesus Christ. But after hearing this... I, for, I forgot we were on video. You could just see my... <laughs> Your glare. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, okay. We can do this. But after hearing this, Vanessa obviously wanted more information, and she does some digging. Yes, girl. And she finds mm-hmm. out that Raven's neat and tidy little story doesn't exactly match up with the case file, and that this is still very much an open investigation, yeah, and there are no signs of an this intruder. this morning. Yeah. <laughs> The morning of his arrival in Salt Lake City yeah. happened over lunch. Yeah. yeah. So Vanessa starts Holy to have shit. significant doubts that maybe her new suitor is guilty of murder. God. Maybe. Please tell me she breaks up with him. But rather than run for the hills, I hope she lures him. Yes. Vanessa confronts Raven and gives him a chance to explain himself. No, he's that's only kill you, fair. Dude. Mm-hmm. That's only fair. No, like I'm saying that sarcastically, obviously. Uh, Don't ever give a man a chance to explain himself. No. Literally never. He's Even if it's reasonable. Especially not a blonde man. <laughs> Mm-mm. Even if it's reasonable. <laughs> Don't care. Don't. You won't have time to find out if it's reasonable. Don't give him that chance. Yeah, do not give him the chance. <laughs> and after a very long talk, they talked it out. He manages to convince her that not only is he innocent, but that he is being framed. Oh, my God. Just like that tiger shark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he knows that she's like waffling and he's like, I got to lock this shit down before yeah. she can have a chance to doubt me again. So or he tell la- anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he lays it on thick and he asks Vanessa's parents for her hand in marriage. No! His wife was just brutal, according to him, brutally murdered. Ew! I understand that, like, uh, straight men can't last fucking five minutes without a woman, but this is too much. Yikes. So news gets back to Janet's family through the Mormon grapevine, and they decide to call Vanessa and warn her about her new fiancé, which is absolutely the the right move. Mm. 
but great dance move. <laughs> Mormon karaoke. Love the Mormon grapevine. But the pull of love and denial is strong, and she marries him anyway. No! Oh, God, God, honey, no! You know what? At this point, no sympathy for her. I get it. I get it. He is real charming. Whatever. You fucking made your bed, girl. As someone who notoriously hates women, this is her fault. I'm over it. I'm done with her. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Well, Bye. You notoriously up- hate women? I do now because of her. (laughs) (laughs) So by now it's 2008 and they are on their way to their honeymoon in where else? Las Vegas. Ish. Love Vegas. Not for a honeymoon. Mormons love Vegas. They do. Yeah, Mormons notoriously love (laughs) Vegas. Uh, when When Raven starts to talk about how angry he could get at Janet, at his first wife. There were just times where he could get so angry at oh her. Oh, my God. That is so unhinged to talk to your new wife about at your honeymoon. Oh, just wait. Or just in general, but like specifically. When she was murdered. Just wait. Then his demeanor changed suddenly. He got really close to Vanessa and said, quote, I promise I'll never hurt you. <gasps> oh, uh, you in danger, girl. Oh, you've been in danger, pond. girl. Run, pond. Fucking run, pond. What? Run, Jesus. Like, you made your bed, but I still don't want you to get killed. So please get the fuck out of there, pond. Oh. So, unsurprisingly, it doesn't take long for this absolute psycho narcissist dipshit to break his promise. Uh-huh. He and starts hurt her. He starts with verbal abuse and then escalates to physical abuse. Yeah. Also plenty of gaslighting. Yep. Raven would grab Vanessa, throw her into walls. Oh, I forgot his name is Raven. Mm-hmm. And then try to convince <laughs> her that he'd just tripped and that it was an accident. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that what he did to his ex-wife's brother-in-law mm-hmm. too? Tripped and slammed his head into a wall? Hmm. Jesus Christ. Oops, I fell. The patterns. So Vanessa quickly realizes that she's been duped, that this has all been a huge mistake. Like, this guy's a psycho. This guy's a psycho and Mm -hmm. whatever. So just four. I got to get out of this. Yeah. Just four months into their marriage, she leaves, which took a lot of bravery and chutzpah. So good for her. She, if she hadn't left, she would be dead. Oh, she has. She guaranteed. She has since spoken publicly about how she knows that if she stayed, she would have become Raven Alboro's next victim. Yep. Yep. So while all of this is going on, Janet's family has not given up their quest for justice. They start piecing together all of Raven's lies going back to their very first meeting with him. Mm-hmm. For example, it turns out that not only had Raven never gone to Peru on a mission trip, which was like the thing that made them oh, like him. Like, oh, that what was a great like guy. the linchpin. Mm-hmm. He'd never even trained for mission work. He'd never even cool. come close to going on any mission. Which is wild because that's like a whole thing. It's a thing. whole thing. It's a whole two-year thing. For yeah. the especially the young men and boys in the Mormon church. That's like what you do. He just made it up. He just was like, I want this status. I'm just going to say I did it. So was he even Mormon at all? I think so. I think it's pretty hard to fake being Mormon. I think there's a lot of insider baseball that you sure. need to know. It's Yeah. Yeah, okay. but not Mormon enough to go on a mission. Right. 
Mm. Well, not everyone goes on a mission. I think it, yeah, you but know, like hardcore Mormons right. do. Right. He just didn't want to. He didn't want to deal with it. It was mm-hmm. too much work. Then the family finds out how dire the couple's finances had been towards the end and that the church was financially supporting them after Raven's arrest and firing. Mm. But even when money was so tight that they had to seek charity just to put food on the table, there was one payment, one monthly bill that Raven never missed. Can you guess what that was for? Was it like, what, child support or something? No, because he has the kid. Well, I know, but maybe from a previous Janet's life insurance policy. Oh, right, 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 right. Oh. Didn't have okay. one on himself. Yep, but hers always got paid. Yep, mm. did not let that lapse because that okay. was his uh, parachute. Yeah. Now it's 2009. This poor family has been waiting for answers on this case for four years, and like they know he did it. They just they can't. They don't have the smoking gun yet. Right. Right. They have a lot of good circumstantial yes. evidence, yeah, which would likely hold up in court, but they often won't even press charges on circumstantial evidence alone. Yeah, they have not been able to arrest him or press charges. Yeah. Oh, this poor family. So finally- I can't even imagine the agony of knowing yeah. who fucking killed your child. Yeah. And not, oh, I just got chills, and not being able to fucking do anything about it. Yeah. Finally, one of her sisters goes on ABC's show Primetime Crime to bring attention Mm. to the case. Just one day after the episode aired, the Durham Police Department announced it was putting a new detective on this cold case. Okay, good. Hoping a set of fresh eyes would shift something. Mm -hmm. And you don't get that joke yet, but you're about to. Fresh eyes? Mm -hmm. (gasps) Does she have eyes when she was murdered? She did have eyes when she was murdered. Correct. As most but not all people do. Okay, Detective Charles Soule does what every great detective on a cold case does, and he goes over everything, all Mm -hmm. the previous evidence collected in painstaking detail, right? Mm -hmm. And he gets hung up on one particular detail. Investigators never found in the home Janet's contact lenses. Okay, weird. So this fact stuck with him because Raven had claimed that his wife was already in bed for the night watching TV when he'd left she to play taken soccer. Him out. Yeah. So he says that, like, literally he saw her in bed. She was in bed watching TV when he left. Was she wearing, gla- was she wearing her glasses? So, like, if she's in bed, it would indicate she'd already taken out her contact lenses. We're going to. But if she's watching TV. We're going to get to it. Okay. All of Janet's friends and family, all of them, swore that she would always take her contacts out before she got in bed and watch TV. So she didn't leave her contacts in to to do that nighttime watching because she would, like, fall asleep watching TV. Got it. So she doesn't really need to see the picture. A rigid nighttime routine. Routine. Yes. Yes, girl. Yes. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't want to fall asleep wearing her contacts, so she always takes them out before she gets into bed for the night. Got it. Okay. So Detective Soul does something really interesting. He calls Charles Zwirling, an ophthalmologist, to ask if it would be possible to identify contact lenses from a body after it has been buried for five years. Mm. Five years. Oh, my goodness. And And what did he say? Zwirling said that contact lenses do disintegrate over time. But But they could very well still be there. Theoretically, it was possible. 
Oh, oh my God! Dig okay, her dig her up. Let's go. So Soul Fucking calls. It. Soul calls for Janet Abaroa's body to be exhumed, but remember, Raven is still her next of kin. Yeah, so he has to like sign off on it, and he objects. Oh, no. Fuck you, Raven. Fuck. And then he gets his lawyers involved to try to prevent it. Mm, of course he fucking does, because he's guilty as fucking. Ah, I hate him. So there's a lot of back and forth about the potential validity of this evidence. It takes years, like courts are involved determining whether or not the state has the right to exhume her for this investigation. But finally, in 2013, Janet's body is exhumed. Yes, okay. And the ophthalmologist, Swirling, receives an evidence package from investigators. Inside, there was a plastic bottle holding shreds of yellowed, shriveled contact lenses Boom. That had been removed from Janet's eyes. Boom. Oh. The shriveled gun. That's how I feel after a really long day and your eyes are already dry and you're taking out your contacts and they're like kind of hard and dry. Mm-hmm. I, want, like, have I wore contacts for like two years and hated it. I wore them every day for probably yeah. 15 years. And that's why yeah, I can't really wear did. them anymore. Yeah, I'm I'm team glasses all the way. Contacts are so uncomfortable. I can't Bill even, will like, fall asleep in his. It's shocking. No, they'll glue to your eyeball. That's I know. My cousin, he claims that he has the kind that it's okay to sleep in. And I'm like, all right, tell that to your eye surgeon. My cousin that had comes. that and it fused to her eye. And when she tried to take them out, they It pulled a piece of her eyeball out. Yeah, he doesn't do it very often anymore, but he very much used to. So she had to go to the eye doctor to get it, like, to get her contacts out. Scraped. Absolutely. I cannot. (laughs) Get it out. Scraped. Scraped. Scrape your eye. Scrape your eyeball out. Yeah, babe. I can barely do it. Yeah, babe. Eye drops. Like, I cannot. (laughs) Oh, no, you could never with contacts. You could never. You got to like get in there. I wouldn't even have the depth perception to put them in right. Anyway. okay. no, I don't trust you within a mile of contacts. No. Or or my eyes. Okay. (laughs) So the ophthalmologist swirling washes the plastic with a saline solution and a fragment bloomed open like the, the contact basically rehydrated. Yeah unshriveled itself a little bit and it revealed an identification number. Ooh. So that number matched the brand that Janet used, AccuView 2. Oh, I used to use those. So it was a one, two, three was the number on the contact lens. Mm. Okay. That's the only thing it would have been. So you can tell if it's inside out or not. Oh, okay. Personally, I think the fact that they dug her up and pulled them from her cold, dead eyes would have been proof enough. (laughs) Yeah, but sure. but hey, I guess they were not taking any chances. No, let's be really <laughs> sure that this was proof enough that Janet was wearing her contacts when she died. She had never mm-hmm. taken them out. Oh wow! And actually, they really weren't taking any chances because Swirling also had to prove that these lenses could dehydrate and then hydrate. That his like method was legitimate. Legit. Yeah. So he backed up these methods with a paper published in 2000 by a forensic archaeologist who had experimented with burying contact lenses on pig eyes to see how they degrade over time. Cool. Okay, listen, I love it. Because obviously pig eyes are closest to human eyes, as we know. They're just a little bit bigger. Pig eye girl summer. Pig eye girl summer. Hog girl fall, baby. Hog eye girl. <laughs> and just to be extra, extra safe, Swirling decided to try the pig eye experiment himself. He was on it. He was yeah. like, 
into it. Uh, there will be no holes in my theory yeah. whatsoever. Good. Good so, for him. So he first learned to embalm bodies. Oh, my God. He's Lucy. He's Lucy. <laughs> and then used the UK pig eye technique from that paper on two different sets of pig eyes with contact lenses on them. Cool. To replicate. <laughs> I told you Lucy would love that. <laughs> to replicate the conditions that Janet's body was buried in, he wrapped each in funeral linens and placed the eyes into miniature wooden caskets. <laughs> <laughs> the detail, the devils in the details, crossing baby. Crossing his teeth and dotting his pig eyes. his pig eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Then he buried them and waited six months to dig one up, like specimen wow, A, and then another the six months, so one year total, to dig up specimen B. Cool. All of this is to say... Janet's contacts were still in, which meant yep. that she wasn't in bed getting ready to go to sleep like Raven had claimed. Yep. He had lied directly to the police. Mm -hmm. In March of 2013, Raven Alvaroa was tried for the murder of his wife. The murder case really hung on these discrepancies in his testimony. Yep. Shockingly, though, the trial ended in a hung jury. 11 to 1, mm. there was one holdout. Ugh. But before a new trial could begin the next year, the DA accepted an Alford plea from Raven. So that means that he's like guilty on paper, pled guilty, but maintained but his innocence, it. but took the plea so he could get a shorter sentence. Yep. And it worked. So he was in prison, but he was already out by Christmas Day 2017. Holy shit. So he was in prison Jesus. for like less than four years. Wow, for killing his fucking wife. Killing his wife. Dang. Oh my God. Fuck that. Yeah. Give me those pig eyes. I want more I of the him. pig eyes in linens. Mm -hmm. So much. Yeah. He's a piece of shit. He sucks, dude. And thank Ick. God Vanessa got away from him. Yeah. Seriously. And I'm I just feel terrible for Janet because she just was a, a lovely she person was young who and... was very important to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. My God. What a, well done. What a ride. Yeah. Yeah. The pig eyes are really something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really something special. Between something the very, very rigid special. bedtime routine and the yep. whole pig eye thing, the ophthalmologist, yep. it, this mm -hmm. was a Lucy case. Yeah. Yes, I have a very rigid routine. You definitely do. Last night, he doesn't usually want to like cuddle or snuggle, but last night, Corey was trying to cuddle and snuggle, and I was like, I am trying to. <laughs> I have a very rigid apply nighttime my routine. Lotion. <laughs> you need to. Back the fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be sweaty while applying lotion. It's I the need worst. both hands. I need yeah. to concentrate. Just get off my shoulder. Mm. Give me 10 fucking minutes. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. I hate it. I'm not a cuddler either. No. I'm a, I'm a big cuddler, but I have, know. I have my limits. Mm -hmm. When Zach's not around, you cuddle anything that moves. I do. And <laughs> or doesn't so move. Does, so does Sonia. Sonia definitely got that from me. She like mm -hmm. needs to be touching me. Yeah. All the time. Created a monster. She's so yeah. cute. At least fun. you like Great. it. Great. Yeah. Well, okay. should we hear a quick word from our sponsors? Yes. Mm -hmm. AccuView 2. <laughs> they really hold up. They last five years at least. 
You can sleep in them. You can even die in them. You can rehydrate them. <laughs> Support for today's episode comes from Relatable. This one's from a citizen detectives out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of you listening to this podcast. Yeah. If you love nothing more than a juicy mystery or an unsolved case, you will love Relatable's newest game, Who Killed Mia? It's so fun, y'all. Who Killed Mia? Mm-hmm. You may know them from their internet famous party games like What Do You Meme? Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's Get Deep and New Phone Who Dis? <laughs> LOL. Corey tried to say that to me the other day. I was like, ah, (laughs) carrying your child. (laughs) So with all of those gems out there, you know their first foray into a murder mystery game is going to be unlike anything else out there. And it truly is. Y'all, it is so fun. So just for a little background on this game in particular, Who Killed Mia is a murder mystery story for like the, the internet age, the millennials, the Gen Zs. It's centered around the fictional but incredibly realistic influencer Mia Starr and her untimely death at the Replay Awards and players work to solve the case using a mix of physical and immersive digital evidence like hacking into Mia's phone. Yes, I've always wanted to hack. Yeah, as well as gripping live action videos to uncover the killer and this sensational game is available on the Relatable website as well as at Target, Walmart, Amazon. You can follow along on Instagram at RealMiaStar and Who Killed Mia. And I brought this to like a, a brunch party, like an afternoon brunch hangout and did it with like six other people. Fun. It was so much fun. We kind of like split up the evidence for each evidence pack and then we'd all become like experts in the couple pieces of evidence that we had and then we'd work together, you know, to answer the question. It was so cool. And then, yeah, it's like you're solving puzzles. You're literally putting together puzzles. You're watching videos. You're like going and hacking into websites. Like it's so, it has so many different fun little hooks and I am obsessed with it. Dynamic. Yeah. So calling all true crime junkies, Who Killed Mia is for all my game lovers and detectives out there. Get this game for your next game night and find out who killed the world's favorite influencer in Who Killed Mia, a new kind of murder mystery game from Relatable, the creators of the hit game, What Do You Meme, and get 20% off with promo code GALS at Relatable.com slash Who Killed Mia. Citizen detectives, it's your time to shine. All right, shall we? Yes. Okay, so this case is super fucking sad. <laughs> Great. Big surprise. Mm, yeah, so buckle up. But the detail that led to a conclusion I thought was fucking incredible. So here we go. On the afternoon of March 9th, 1979, police in Salem, Oregon, received a call that a resident of Fairview Training Center, a state-run facility for people with development developmental disabilities, was missing. Quote, police received a call of what they called a walkaway, said Steve Hinkle, a detective with the Oregon State Police, in an interview with A&E True Crime. Yes. The walkaway was identified to be Janie Landers, an 18-year-old resident who had a prior history of running away, but she would always walk back, according to her sister, Joyce Caldwell. So she would, like, go off campus, tootle around. Rome, Which they're not, and you know, the residents are not supposed to do, I'm sure. They're not supposed to do, but um, we also find out later in this case that, like, there is a history of abuse in this facility. Okay. And so it wasn't uncommon for residents to leave and then Be return. Be forced to if, return. 
Yeah, for for yeah, for multitudes of reasons. Maybe they would go home and then their families would bring them back or they'd be oh. picked up by police or they would just run into like the realization that I don't know what to do now that I'm yeah, not on on campus, so I'm going to just yeah. go back or I just needed to cool off or whatever. Right. Police put out an all points bulletin in APB that described Janie as a young white girl with blue eyes and light brown hair, standing only five foot one and 105 pounds, and with the cognitive capacity of about an eight-year-old. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Then they started interviewing the staff and residents at Fairview, and it was established that a teacher named Bill Graff was one of the last to see her on the Fairview grounds. Quote, Graff told investigators that around 2 p.m., Janie stomped out of his classroom and Graf told A&E True Crime that Janie was upset because he'd informed her that insurance changes meant he could no longer work with her one-on-one. Like, the uh, coverage Maybe w- because she had turned 18, and so the, her insurance probably wouldn't changed. Wouldn't cover it anymore, yeah. Graf assumed Jamie was, Janie was headed for the on-campus group home where she lived with several other roommates, but her roommates told the police she never arrived there after class. Okay. An interview with a staff nurse named Leona Ways said she had seen Janie as she was arriving for her late afternoon shift around 2 p.m. And she had seen her a few blocks from campus. Like she, Leona was driving to work Mm -hmm. and saw her a few blocks from campus talking to a man next to a gold car. Mm -hmm. Quote, the man was standing close to the resident who was later identified as Janie and Ways felt like something was off. Mm Mm-hmm. But Fairview had strict rules about staff members interacting with residents off campus, and Janie was technically off campus. Okay. So Waze continued her drive to work. Which I'm sure is part of an insurance thing. Like, you can't be sending Probably. residents, like, way off campus to try to bring them back or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, or no. Staff. Yeah. Yep. So Leona gave a description to the police detailing a middle-aged man with shaggy brown hair and a bit of a pot belly. A description that almost perfectly matched Billy Graff. Oh, this motherfucker. Well, never trust a bill. (laughs) Five days later, after after Janie's disappearance, the body of a young woman was found face down in some brush on a rural swath of land outside of Salem. She was identified as Janie and the condition of her remains made it clear that she had been murdered. And it was assumed that she had been stabbed to death by looking at her remains. Quote, investigators combed the area where Janie was found and decided the woods were just a dump site for her body. Mm-hmm. Janie was very much likely killed elsewhere. Okay. So it's not As a result, scene. Yep. organized killer. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. As a result, there was little evidence at the scene, says Hinkle, this detective that's been working on this case in more modern mm-hmm. times. He got this cold case. Mm-hmm. And was working on it within the last several years. But detectives did find a few clues. Among the clues were a few hairs clutched in her fist. Good girl. Rip that motherfucker's hair out. One earring left in her ear, the mate of which was missing from the crime scene. Mm. And her cause of death turned out to be blunt force trauma to the head. Mm -hmm. The stabbings were not actually what killed her, but they also weren't post-mortem. Okay. Okay. God. Oh, that's horrible. Okay. Yep. A rape kit revealed that Janie had not been assaulted as far as they could tell. There was no semen. There were no abrasions. Okay. You know, so she hadn't, she likely had not been raped. Mm -hmm. We don't know if anything else, Mm -hmm. other abuse 
may have been done, but there was no semen or additional DNA collected that could point to a suspect. Okay. And this is the 70s. It's 1979. Right. So, so the hair really could only serve if they found another suspect in comparison. Right. They cannot pull DNA the way that they can now. Right. From that evidence. So still suspecting Bill Graff, who fit the description, they went back to him for further investigation. He had been not only a teacher, but a counselor of Janie's, and the two were allegedly close. The police believed he could have easily lured her off of the property, though there were no witnesses to confirm this, and Leona was not able to confirm if the man she saw was indeed Graf, and I don't think it was the same car that he drove either. Okay. And he immediately agreed to, to do a polygraph, and he passed with flying colors. Okay, so I'm like sorry this guy I was suspected you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you can trust a pill. One, but bill. he did work at a facility that like notoriously abused their patients, mm. so he probably was still not the best. But either way, Allegedly. he was eliminated as a suspect. An incident that occurred a few months prior between Janie and her roommate Cheryl gave police reason to look into Cheryl and her boyfriend Ray. Apparently, Janie and Cheryl got into a big fight over what they fought about is not exactly clear, but like their roommates at a group home, there's any number of things that they could have been pissed off at each other about. Yeah. Yeah. But there had been mounting tension between the roommates for several months. This allegedly culminated in Janie getting so mad at Cheryl that she dumped hot chili all over her. Oh, causing multiple burns that required medical treatment. Oh my god. Well, yeah, when you have when you have diminished capacity and yeah. you know, you get angry and upset. Yeah. This shit like this Less can happen. Impulse control and yeah. Mhm. So, could Ray have abducted and killed Janie to avenge his girlfriend Cheryl for the chili incident? Was Ray also a, a resident? I don't believe so. Okay. Mm. He had apparently made comments before about his dislike of Janie and even suggested that he wanted to harm her. Mm. But ultimately, there was no evidence that could link him to this crime or anyone to this crime for that matter. Mm -hmm. And after two years of investigating this case, it went cold in 1981. Mm -hmm. Ten years later, in 1991, Cheryl, the roommate, popped back up on investigators' radar. She contacted them because she and Ray had since broken up and she wanted to share information that she had previously kept secret to protect him. <laughs> she claimed to have seen one of Janie's earrings in Ray's truck. Mm. And as we know, Janie was found with only one earring on. <laughs> this was a detail that had not been shared with the general public. So they were compelled to track Ray down once again and search his vehicle. Mm. Unfortunately for them, they were too late and the truck had been out of Ray's possession for years at that point. Yeah, 10 years later. Yep. So once again, they have no evidence to link him to the crime. They can't do they can't charge him with anything. Mm -hmm. Fourteen more years went by with no movement on this case. Oh, my God. Janie's little sister, Joyce, was still advocating for her and called the Oregon State Police, pleading with them to reopen the case, citing advancements in DNA technology to get them to comb over the evidence for new leads. She was killed in 1979, and it's now 2014 or in that ballpark. And Joyce is like, for the love of God, please reopen. look this over this fucking DNA again or look over any of this shit again. Yeah. There could easily be some, like, epithelial whatever DNA evidence. The hair. Yeah, the hair. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, okay. So they do. And this guy, Hinkle, the the police officer that's now taking over this case, says, quote, I knew when I got assigned it that it was a very low statistical likelihood that we'd solve it, especially after that amount of time had gone by. Mm -hmm. 
There was very little DNA evidence to review, and the hairs collected didn't have the bulb. Mm. So a DNA profile couldn't be pulled from the hair without anybody to compare the hair to. Mm -hmm. It was rendered kind of useless. But Hinkle and a new team of investigators reviewed the coroner's report and found a tiny, seemingly insignificant detail about the stab wounds on Janie's body. Mm. The detail was not something that was there, but something that was missing. Mm. Her contacts. (laughs) I wish. Most knives have a hilt to protect the user's hand from coming, sliding off the handle and coming into contact with the blade. Not this one. When an individual it does, is stabbed, it has a little bit of a lip. It has a oh, little yeah, lip, like but not that. like a true like. Yeah, a lot of the like these like stabbing knives have has like, like a real a true hilt. Yeah, because mm-hmm. even like a cooking knife might have a little bit of a lip, mm-hmm. but that's not technically a a hilt. Let's mm-hmm. Check my other knives and see if they have hilts. Mm-hmm. Do a little uh, do a little inventory. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when an individual is stabbed with the level of force that was present in Janie's case, the hilt will leave bruising or abrasions around the entrance wounds. Oh, that makes sense. And these bruises or abrasions were missing from Janie's wounds, indicating the knife used did not have a hilt. And that meant that the attacker very likely cut his hand in the process of stabbing Janie. Mm -hmm. Hinkle was hopeful that the blood on Janie's shirt could be mixed with the attacker's blood. Yeah. And that they just could not have figured that out all those years ago. So he sent her shirt to the lab for further testing. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Sure enough, among Janie's DNA, they found a completely different DNA profile and submitted their findings to CODIS, hoping for a match. The miracles in this discovery continued when they got a match and a solid one at that. A man named Gerald Dunlap, Mm -hmm. who had worked in Fairview's laundry in 1979. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Generation Y did a great blog on this case. I don't know if they also covered it on their show, but they had a really good blog that popped up. So here's a quote from their blog. It said, quote, Dunlap was a convicted sex offender who had been arrested and convicted in the 60s and got out on parole in the early 70s. And then was allowed to job at the... Around all these vulnerable people. Oh, my God. (gasps) It was revealed that when he was released from prison, he had moved to Salem, Oregon, where he got married and landed himself a job at the Fairview training facility working as a laundry assistant. Payroll records indicated that Dunlap had clocked into work on the day of her disappearance and murder and within the the timeline structure Mm -hmm. of Janie's disappearance. He was never thoroughly questioned despite matching many elements of the composite sketch. And I actually have the sketch on the drive, which will be on the blog, as well as a photo of Dunlap. And you can definitely see similarities. Like, it's fairly striking. Mm -hmm. Though I won't say that it's a slam dunk comparison. So I'm not going to say that, like, that was really yeah, but we fucked also up that they didn't. don't know about, like, the photo of Dunlap is from years later than the sketch. So maybe back then... Well, the photo from of Dunlap is his uh, mugshot from 1972, oh. and I guess so the composite before. sketch would have been in 1979. So, like, it is years later, but I don't think enough years for there to be, like, a huge change. The nose and the this part the, look a lot yeah. alike. The uh, the mouth, like, the, the, the smile lines. I think and it's also pretty, even just the, the vibe of the eyes, pretty yeah, spot on. I think it's on. a pretty good... Maybe, it's definitely striking. If he yeah. had more hair in 79... And he may, he very well may have. Right. Yeah. Grown his hair out a little he's bit. Also got gained, scary gained a little eyes. weight. He's out of prison. He's got scary so eyes. So he's, yeah. 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 
fucking really creepy. This poor girl. So it was failure to be thorough that brought Dunlap onto the Fairview staff in the first place, Mm -hmm. which comes as no surprise given the known history of abuse that occurred on the grounds throughout its operation from 1907 to 2000 when it finally closed. The devil is in the details. Yep, Mm. exactly. Investigations into the unnatural deaths occurring in Oregon state institutions over a 25-year span uh, that was conducted from 1963 to 1987 revealed abuse as well as an alarming number of, quote, accidental deaths at the Fairview facility. Mm. So when Dunlap, a convicted sex offender registered in California, applied for the position, Fairview failed to run a background check, like, outside of Oregon. Mm. Which, like... Under a lot of employment situations, a background check isn't even required, but employees of a facility working with a vulnerable population is a totally different story. Right. Fairview claimed at the time they were unable to do nationwide background checks, but any kind of follow-up on his employment and residential history linked him to California where they could have requested that information from authorities and they simply did not. Right. You know, they're not going to be able to pull, like, they just, a nationwide background they just check, but they like, knew he okay, came there from California. The Oregon background check done. They didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. They knew he'd moved there from California but within the last like seven years and didn't even bother getting are background a, checks now mostly nationwide. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now we have like massive databases for that shit. So he had served 12 years of a 99 year sentence in Tennessee for a rape conviction. Oh my, my God. God. Dunlap, I know, I know. What is even the purpose of sentencing if it's going to be, if the discrepancy is going to be that huge? Yep. What is the point? Didn't even serve 20 years. He served 12 years. Dunlap continued to abuse children and was incarcerated in 1996 because he was never fucking caught for killing Janie in 1979. So he was incarcerated in 1996 for first-degree sexual abuse of a minor female family member. Fortunately, he fucking died in prison in the early 2000s. Bye-bye. But yeah, if he had just been... Yeah, looked into at all. Looked into at all or actually served a sentence... That he was That he was given. given. Or uh, all yeah. these lives. Yeah. All of this... Could have been saved. Trauma could have been mm-hmm. prevented. An interview with Dunlap's surviving wife revealed that he had owned a gold sedan matching the witness description of the car that Janie was seen next to on the day of her murder. And a former Fairview employee confirmed in an interview that Dunlap was known to offer rides to patients in that very car. How did the investigators at the time not ask for a list of employees and then find and their vehicles? I know. How fucking hard is that? I just don't think they really fucking cared about Janie. No, I don't think they she did. She was a cognitively disabled young girl living in a group home. There there had been rampant abuse in this group home that was like known yeah. for years and nobody fucking did anything about it. And I just, I don't think, I think when investigators looked into a couple things that they thought might have happened and it wasn't a slam dunk, they fucking Moved on. gave up until somebody else got this case and actually did some fucking police work. For like 35 years. Yep. 
Jesus. God. It was also said by employees that one of Dunlap's favorite hiking spots was in the area where Janie's body was found. Jesus. So he was known to have gone to that area. He would have known where that was. Even to the take police her. could have asked for a list of employees and then done the fucking background checks and figured yeah. it out. Thousand percent. This could have could've. been solved in a three week. days. Yep. Um, Without any DNA. The circumstantial evidence is enough. Fucking goddamn it. Okay. Though Janie's killer died before he could see his day in court, the case was officially closed in November of 2017. So Hinkler or Hinky, whatever his name is, he gets this case in like 2014 and he gets to work on it and gets it closed. Yeah. Leaving Janie's sister Joyce wishing true justice had been served. This is so fucking sad, but I just wanted... I wanted Joyce to have a little bit of a voice here since mm-hmm. Janie Could clearly have. doesn't have one. Yeah. She said in an interview, quote, final closure would have been seeing him convicted of her murder. But how I try to look at it is he died in prison. He wasn't out there hurting anyone else. She went on to share her last memories of her older sister, who was five years her senior. Quote, my last memory of her was speaking to her over the phone, and she wanted me to write a long letter to her. I was in the process of doing that. Coming home from school, I'd write, but unfortunately, I did not get to send it to her because she died. She kept that letter for years until it was destroyed in a house fire. She said, yeah, she said it felt like losing her all over again. Oh, my God. Now all all she has left of her sister is the single round earring with a chocolate colored stone in it and two hair ties, one with a pink bow and the other with little red balls on it. That's all she has she left has of her sister. Earring. Yep. Sad. Yeah, because now that the case was closed, they were able to return the evidence. The, oh. Yeah, the pieces. I don't think she got the shirt back because that had been kind of like nope. torn up. I'm sure she doesn't want the sh- bloody and shirt And I'm sure back. she doesn't want it. But like, yeah, these were her personal effects that she couldn't touch for 38 years. Jesus. And then those are the little pieces of her sister that she finally got back. And I think her sister had been living in the group home for quite a while, so it's not like she had a lot of trinkets of their time together as kids. And she was just a teenager when she was killed. That is so fucking sad. And fuck those cops. Yeah, for real. Because that, honest to God, could have been solved right away. And it It wouldn't have prevented her death. Like, fuck the fucking Fairview fuckers, Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Because they could have prevented her death. And like, shh are negligent yeah but the police really could have fucking solved this one i'm sorry i know that they absolutely could have like investigating crimes is not an easy job but this one was fucking easy yeah mm-hmm. yep so anyway knife with a hilt it's gonna leave marks mm-hmm. yeah Earring. Mm-hmm. knife without a hilt gonna cut yourself gonna, gonna leave cut blood. yourself and leave blood maybe don't stab anyone yeah, uh, best way to avoid that is don't stab. Don't stab. <laughs> Soups don't stab. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, that's my case. Wow. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, real, no, no pig's eye, but real downer. Details will get you. <laughs> details will get you. And also, like, be detailed in your investigations yeah. and your background checks yep. when you're hiring people in vulnerable yeah there's a, places there's a reason and, there's a reason to do those things yeah, predators the, will seek out those opportunities so you got to be yep, extra read careful the fine print reading the fine print yeah anyway all right cool. thanks Yay. for listening 
Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Cheers!